Be delighted this holiday season at Ice and Lights, the winter village at Cameron Run. Just minutes from Old Town Alexandria. Stroll through the park and enjoy winter photo ops, light displays, hot chocolate, and a warm treat. The winter village offers playtime for the entire family. Extend the magic of the holidays by visiting early, starting November 17th. Get your tickets now at CameronIceandLights.com. That's CameronIceandLights.com. There's only one road into Key West, but you won't believe where it can take you. Travel back in time to a city rich with history. Discover amazing artists and musicians. Taste seafood fresh off the boat. Or just kick back and soak up the island vibe. For more about Key West, visit flakeys.com. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. You're about to experience a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church, one church in global locations. To find out more about Bishop Foreman and Harvest Church, visit our website at www.harvestchurch.church. Your faithful giving is how we continue to bring life-giving messages like these to you. Give online in our mobile app or text the word giving to 59769. Remember to love God, love people, and love life. We're taking over. I'm lifting my phone because I've got the Harvest Mobile app. You can remain seated. Let's say it together. I'm ready to receive and fully submit to God's word, which is the lamp to my feet and the light to my path. In this year of fruitfulness, I will manifest good results in every area of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, do what you do when you do how you do when you do it because you do it so good. You're amazing. And Lord, we need a word from you today to help us restore our focus. We launch an attack against what's been attacking our focus. We launch warfare on the warfare trying to mess with our focus. And today we declare we're going to leave this place focused like we've never been focused before. And because of that, we're going to see victory after victory after victory in Jesus' name. Somebody say, Lord, speak right now. Guys, we're in this series called Weapons of Our Warfare where we're learning how to win. And last Sunday, I announced that you were in a new season of life. Life operates in seasons, right? Check it out. There's four seasons in the year. You can sense the season changing even in the city that you're in now. The weather's beginning to change. What is it indicating? It's time for you to start dressing differently because what it's about to be is not what it was. I need you to hear me. The season of your life is changing because what it was is not what it's getting ready to be. You have entered into winning season. Can I get you to late throw one hand in the air and declare this? Say, I'm in my winning season. I need you to get ready to start putting some wins on the board. I need you to get ready to start seeing some progress. I need you to get ready to start seeing some results. I need you to realize, watch this. I can't have you bitter. Why? Because if you're bitter, you won't get better. I can't have you stuck in what people did to you. I can't have you stuck in what happened to you because God says it's your winning season. If you believe that, can you lay your hands on yourself? Say, I'm in my winning season. Now, I need to encourage somebody because you've taken a lot of L's. You've taken a lot of disappointment. You've taken a lot of, of disappointment with people. You've suffered a lot of loss. Some of my business owners, you've gone through some trials and tribulations. Some of my folks, your families have been going through pure D hell. For some people, you've been dealing with issue after issue after issue. And I need you to know, God says to you, listen, because you didn't grow weary in well-doing in due season, somebody say it's winning season. You would, uh, you would receive if you would not faint. I need you to adjust because watch this. What it was is not what it's getting ready to be. 
I'm going to say it again. I need you to adjust because what it was is not what it's getting ready to be. And if you keep thinking that tomorrow is going to be like last week, I need you to realize you've been hoodwinked, you've been bamboozled, and you've been sold a bill of goods. You and I have entered into winning season. Bishop, how can you make such a declaration? Well, number one, the Bible says that life and death are in the power of our tongue, and they that love it shall eat its fruit, which means whenever I want my season to change, all I got to do is say something. I need you to realize whenever you want something to change, it starts with your mouth because your mouth is what's going to manifest. Your words are going to shape your world. I need somebody to just say, I'm in winning season. I need you to hear yourself say that. So when it feels like you're losing, you can remind yourself that ain't the season I'm in. When it feels like you're going down, you can remind yourself that's not the season I'm in. When you think it's not going to work for you, you can remind yourself that's not the season I'm in. But the reason I'm declaring that is because the month we stepped into. We're in the ninth month of 2019. And in case you don't know, God plays the numbers. What do you mean God plays the numbers? In scripture, every number has a significant meaning. And the number nine is the number of fruitfulness. The number nine is the number of results. The number nine is the number of manifestation. With other words, God says, your life is now in divine alignment so that you have stepped into your season to see something. You've stepped into your season to possess what you prayed for, to walk in what you used to be worried about. I need you to make sure you sit next to somebody that can celebrate the fact that you're in your winning season would you just look at them and say celebrate my win celebrate wrong neighbor because they didn't start shouting after you said that i need you to look at somebody else say celebrate my winning season yeah everything about your life baby is getting ready to go up the devil should have killed you when he had the chance. He should have taken you down when you were depressed and discouraged but somebody shouted it's too late Say, I'm in winning season. And every time you turn around, another win, and another win, and another win, and another win, and another win. This is so important because if you don't know the season of life that you're in, you won't be dressed appropriately. If you think it's losing season, you'll take your armor off because you'll think there's nothing to fight for. I need you to know there's a whole lot of good stuff to fight for. Watch this. To win, we got to fight the war. And the war, to win the war, we're going to need some weapons. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, the apostle Paul teaches us about weapons that you and I have available. So he says, though we walk in the flesh, that means though we're human beings in a body, we don't wage war according to the flesh. In other words, he says, I don't need you to get a pistol. I don't need you to have a knife. I don't need you to have a shank. Not for this war. and some other stuff, but not for this one. He says, we don't wage war according to the flesh. In other words, he says, listen, we are spiritual people who fight our battles spiritually first. In other words, warfare starts internally. Here's the problem. Most of us want to deal with out here before we deal with in here. And if you ain't good in here, when you come out here, you're going to fail. I need you to realize the reason some of you felt so isolated is because God says, I need to isolate you to deal with your internal. I need to separate you so you can deal with yourself. I need you not to curse the days where your phone ain't ringing. That was a gift. I need you not to curse the days where nobody was calling you. That was a gift. I need you not to be uh, mad that your phone has been dry. Why? That was a gift so that you could deal with yourself. He says, we don't wage war according to the flesh. Verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare. Here's warfare. Warfare means a series of battles or struggles. That was interesting to me because in the definition, it means you're going to deal with some struggle. What's the struggle? I'm trying, but even my try is hard. I'm attempting, but even my attempt is difficult. You ever been in a place in life where you're like, God, 
even my try, even my attempt is difficult. You ever had days of your life where just trying to be nice was hard? I wish you were sitting next to somebody that wasn't no lie. I wish you were sitting next to somebody that could tell them. You ever had days where you're like, God, just going through this day is difficult because there's some days you're dealing with so much you want to snap, cracker, and pop on the first thing coming. But what you need to understand is that warfare is a series of battles, which means stop looking for a day you're not going to have a fight. If you have nothing to fight for, then you have no reason to breathe because you and I were sent, watch this, as solutions to problems. So I need you not to curse the reason you were sent to the earth. Jeremiah chapter 1. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. What does that mean? Jeremiah, I sent you to solve a problem, and I need you to stop crying about the problem you were sent to solve. I need you to stop looking at it like I can't handle this. Yes, you can. I need you to stop looking at it like I can't do this. Yes, you can. I need you to stop thinking this is overwhelming. No, you're just not yet organized enough for what it is you're about to do. I need you to throw one hand in the air and say, I got this. How do you know I got this, Bishop? Greater is he, I want to preach, that is in you than he that is in the world. Which means anything God brings me to, baby, God is about to bring me through. But I can't stop fighting. That's life. One fight after another fight after another fight. Listen, all your life. Duh. If you're not fighting, what are you winning? If you're not done with warfare, what are you winning? See, watch this. Your story ain't like some other folks' story you know. Because some other folks' story was everything they have, they, it was given to them. Your story is you have to fight to take territory. And that's because God says, listen, I know you know how to handle a licking and keep on ticking. You know how to deal with trauma and still be triumphant. You know how to deal with drama and still get delivered. I need you to know you're not sitting next to some regular somebody. I need you to know you're not sitting next to somebody that God doesn't intend to do something mighty and strong through. But I need you to get used to warfare. Got it? Watch. It's a series of battles or struggles. It's like military service. So we learned last week, don't take it personal. Now, I was telling them at the 915, I discovered something about me that a lot of my warfare in the past, I have taken personally. I took it personal when somebody did me wrong. I took it personal when somebody that should have been able to be counted on wasn't counted on. I would look at disgust in my head and myself and say, ugh, what a waste of time. Don't look at me with that tone of judgment. That's all I said. You didn't say some other stuff. I'm just saying. Watch me. I, I, there were times where I would look at it and I just took it personally. I was like, how is it that I've done this and this and this and this and this? And you couldn't even be counted on to do this and this and that. Now, now realizing there's a spirit behind the individual. That's why the Bible says that our warfare is spiritual. Say it's spiritual first. If you get caught up with the person, you will miss the spirit behind the person. And you're taking it personal. I need you to stop taking it personal that they betrayed you. That was a spirit. I need you to stop taking it personal that they couldn't be dependent on. That was a spirit. Can I, in fact, tell you this? That if you take it personal, you will get caught up in your feelings and emotions. And you will miss your opportunity to evolve. I need you to lay your hands on yourself. Say your first name. Say, stop taking it personal. I don't like the way you talking to you because you don't sound like a gladiator. I need to wake up the gladiator in you. Lay your hands on yourself. Say your first name. Say, don't take it personal. Stop taking what's going on in your family personal. That's a spirit trying to shut down progress in your bloodline. Stop taking what's going on in your job personal. That's a spirit. And you got to learn how to fight those battles in the spirit, which means I'm not even engaging you in the natural. I'm going to handle you in prayer. I'm not even engaging you in the natural. I'm going to shut you down spiritually. So, 
we don't take it personal. It says, the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. So we fight spiritually first so we know what to do naturally. Here's what many of us do. We fight naturally and then go pray. So after you didn't fire 10 shots on emails, then you're like, Lord, what should I do? After you sent 17 text messages now, then you're like, Lord, I just get this to you. God is like, you should have gave it to me before you responded. You should have gave it to me before you said anything. Because maybe the answer was for you to do nothing. There's some warfare God says, listen, I just need you to stand still and let me handle that. There's some stuff God says, I just needed you to let them, watch this, get back to reality. Because for a moment they had a, rea- a, 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 a lapse of reality. I didn't need you to respond to that because now you created something you didn't need to create. Y'all not hearing me. There's some stuff. I don't know who this is for. There's somebody right now. You're trying to figure out how am I going to respond to that? Maybe the response is no response because watch this. While you're giving God glory in here, he's going to turn their heart out there. I don't know who I'm talking to that's at this 1115. But if you got some stuff that you are trying to figure out how to respond to, I dare you to give God five seconds of glory and let him handle it and turn their heart. Go. Whoever that is. Whoever that is. Whoever that is. Say, Lord, turn their hearts. Say it again. Say, turn their hearts. Watch me, watch me, watch me, watch me, watch me. It says, but these weapons have divine power. So these weapons, the the warfare starts internally. Got it? And they have divine powers. It means this isn't a natural thing. And it says they're going to destroy strongholds. We learned that a stronghold is something that has control over all three parts of your humanity. To every control freak in the room, I need you to watch this. That while you think you're in control, make sure there's not a stronghold in control. See, there's a lot of people say, I just don't like nobody telling me what to do. Here's, here's, let, me t- let me tell you who's in control. Your mama still is. Let me tell you how I know that. Because watch this. She's playing the strings and controlling how you act today. And watch this. And because you are angry at what she did, what ends up happening is now you are still letting it dictate your behavior today. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. A stronghold has control over all three parts of your humanity. So our bodies... Our soul, which is our mind, thoughts, will, and emotions, our spirit, our subconscious mind. Our subconscious mind is who we are without trying. Our soul, which is comprised of our conscious mind, that, 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 that implies thought. There, that implies intentionality. Check this out. The Bible says that these weapons destroy strongholds. Where do strongholds exist? In us. Check this out. Which means the warfare, the majority of it, is in us. Here's what most of us think. I got all this going on around me. God is like... But you're not understanding. That's going on around you to make you see what needs to happen in you. I wish you would look at your neighbor and say it starts in you. Before you go try to check your wife, check yourself. Before you go try to check your husband, check yourself. Before you go try to check your boss, check yourself. Because the warfare is going on in you. Because maybe there's a stronghold God's trying to reveal to you. And these weapons destroy strongholds. The second thing they do is, it uh, it says, verse 5, they destroy arguments. Arguments there in Greek. Language of our New Testament, it means unchecked arrogance against God and his word. In other words, these weapons will check our arrogance. What is unchecked arrogance? I know what the word says. I'm just not doing it. I know what I should do. I'm just not doing it. I know I should. I'm just not doing it. And it's arrogance. Can I take it further? Another form of arrogance shows up as what's called false humility. False humility says, well, I guess I'm just not going to be good enough. So I'm going to bow out. Arrogance. You're so scared of failing that you didn't try to raise up. 
Y'all ain't talking to me. You're so scared of failing that you don't try to come up. And I need you to realize in winning season, God is, watch this, this is not the time to retreat. I wish you'd throw one hand in the air and say, no retreat, no retreat. This is the time to advance, not pull back. This is the time to go forward, not pull back. If you pull back, you will lose your war and all of your tears will be for nothing. But I think you're sitting next to somebody that'll say, I've been through too much. I've dealt with too much. I've overcome too much to be in winning season and not post some wins on the board. Now, watch this, watch this, watch this. Here it is. Then it goes on every lofty opinion. Lofty opinions there means, in Greek, it means transgression. So notice all of these weapons so far, are they affecting anybody externally? No. Where's the warfare? Internally. That's what the majority of your warfare is. It ain't what she said. It's what you think about what she said. It's not how they act, and it's what you think about how they act, which is why I've been saying something lately that I've been saying for the last few weeks, and I mean this thing. I ain't playing with nobody. Why? Because watch this. If I get caught up in the warfare of trying to do, figure out what you're doing, I'll, move, I'll lose focus on what I'm supposed to be doing. Can you just get with me for just a moment and say, I ain't playing with nobody? Say, if you're going with me, let's go. Say, but if not, I got to go. Some of you need to tell some friends after church, listen, we can't be friends no more if you ain't going to put God first. Why? I'm not playing with nobody. Some of you need to tell some of the people you're dating, if you don't want to give your life to Jesus, you got to get to stepping. Why? I ain't playing with. Not doing it. So watch. What's this? Lofty opinions. Lofty opinions. There's three types of sin in the Bible. Can I teach you? First type of sin. It literally is sin. It means to miss the mark. It means a mistake. Second type of sin is iniquity. It's passed down, which means you got it from your mama. You got it from your grandmama, your granddaddy. It's in the bloodline. You can be dealing with stuff from people you've never met. Number says that the sins of the fathers will be passed down to the third and fourth generations. Generations scripturally wasn't necessarily chronological. It was, quantit- or it was qualitative in time. What does that mean? Is that if generation one thought like generation two, biblically speaking, that's one generation. Which means you could be dealing anywhere from 120 to 400 years worth of history. Which means there's people you've never met that you think like. Which is why the Bible, that's why I wrote a whole book about it, did a whole series about it. That's why the Bible teaches about breaking generational curses. Excuse me for a minute. Let me introduce you to who you sit next to. That's the curse breaker in their bloodline. That's the line crosser in their bloodline. That's the boundary breaker in their bloodline. That's the Joseph in their bloodline. Which means it doesn't matter what get done to somebody else. But when they were born, the curse breaker was born. Can you just say that? Say, I'm the curse breaker. And when you're the curse breaker, you need to realize sometimes you're going to feel like the black sheep. Why? Because you're the sheep that's sent to change the other sheep. You can't fit in with what you sent to change. There's sin. There's iniquity. Then there's transgression. Here's transgression. Don't move that mic stand. Which one? This one? There are certain things we do to test the limits. Watch this. Of people and God. And here's the deal. Sometimes we think that God is going to be inconsistent like your parents were. What do you mean by that? A parent, I don't care how disciplinarian of a parent you have or guardian or whatever your story is. Here's the deal. Everybody knew to this day you know what you can get away with. Let me prove it to you. Your kids have figured out who to go to. They know, don't go ask daddy for that. He's going to say, no, nah, let me go ask mama. I'm going to be like, uh, mama, daddy said I can have some cookies. Okay, go and get you some cookies. Did you tell her she could have some cookies? 
No, I didn't say that. Oh, when you said it last week, I thought it meant that I could have cookies every week. And watch this, because they know ain't going to be no consequence. So sometimes we will transgress with God because when we did it last week, he had mercy. Because we did it last month, he had mercy. What is mercy? When God doesn't allow something negative to happen that we deserve to happen. Here's the problem. Just because he had mercy last week doesn't mean he's going to have mercy this week. So here's what transgression means. Transgression means I'm going to do what I want to do. Can I destroy and rebuke that I'm going to do what I want to do, spirit? Because when you do what you want to do, guess what you're responsible for? The bill. When it's his will, it's his bill. When it's your will, you got to pay the bill. And some of you have been paying with stuff you did in the 80s. You've been paying for stuff you dealt with in the 90s. And I need you to realize, God says, I need you to stop transgressing because it's creating unnecessary failure. Hands up. Say, my house is next. No more unnecessary failure in your bloodline. No more unnecessary loss in your bloodline. No more unnecessary loss in your life because you keep playing with the mic stand. After he said, stop. Sometimes, sometimes we want to read a story in a minute about where God's like, listen, I, I, I had enough of all that. I've been merciful. I've been kind. I've been patient. But you're playing with me. And I'm not playing with you. You got time. I don't. So if you don't do it, mama, I'll skip you and choose your daughter. If you don't do it, father, I'll skip you and choose your son. Because what I will not do is be played with because you think I don't have an option. That's wrong, but it's right. Watch. Raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought. Thought here means soul. Captive to obey Christ. So here's the point of all this verse. Most of the warfare is in our soul because that's the part we can control. What's your soul? Mine. Bitch, if I can't control what I think about, yes, you can. Bitch, if I can't control how I feel, yes, you can. Bible says, watch this, that we can command our soul, <laughs> which means I can tell myself what to feel. So if this feeling ain't helping me move forward, I can tell myself to feel something else. I need you to stop letting your soul control you when you've got control over it. So tomorrow, even if you don't feel good, you better tell your soul, no, you better feel good. Why? This is the day. Can I preach for a minute? That the Lord has made and I shall rejoice and be made glad in it. I can control my soul. That's where the warfare is. Notice the warfare isn't a part we get control over. The warfare is not in a part where we don't have control over. He says the majority of this warfare is going to be inside of us. Last week, the first weapon I gave us was repentance. Now, notice repentance is, is not, a, it's not a knife. It's not a shotgun. It's not a, it's, it's not a Uzi. It's not a taser. Repentance is a spiritual weapon. It's something that we do spiritually. This week's weapon is focus. Focus means directed attention. Stop. Directed is a verb, which means it requires action. So that means to focus, I have to be intentional. Look at me. If you are not intentional about what you're giving your intention to, you are in fact distracted and you think you're focused. I was reading something and studying about focus, which said most people think we're multitasking. How many people do you think you're a good multitasking? How many people? Come on, be honest. Come on. Here's the deal. I was reading that the brain doesn't actually do that. What the brain actually does is that the brain at most can move to something more quickly. It's, it's, wait, wait a minute. Notice, I just got distracted. Oh, I'm going to preach this good. This wasn't even planned, but ooh, I'm going to work it. I'm in the middle of something and something comes on my phone to distract me. 
And you got to be careful, watch this, that you don't allow what you're supposed to be focused on, that you don't get distracted because you hear other voices. Stop. You got to be careful that you don't allow other voices to get you off course and to get you off track. But isn't that how life works? What the study said is that our brains don't actually have the ability to multitask the way we think is that what our brain does is it'll move quickly from one thing to the next thing, but it loses its efficiency that way. So when you think you're multitasking, no wonder why when you finished it, it had 15 errors. Because you missed it and you weren't focused. I need you to lay your hands on yourself, say focus, focus, focus. Oh, yes. Today, we're coming to get your focus back. That's what we do. Today, we're coming to get you focused so that you can possess your future. We come to get you focused so that you can get your family back. Who am I talking to? We came to get you focused so that you can see God do something amazing in your life. It requires action, which means I have to be intentional about what I focus on. Here's the problem. Most of us, we welcome distractions. Most of us welcome distractions. How do you know it? Because you looking at your phone. Let me see who's responded. Uh, uh, two more likes. I mean, y- y'all be thirsty for them likes, don't you? Uh, two more likes. Uh, uh, this is great. Oh, this is phenomenal. Oh, this is great. Okay. What was I doing? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Some of y'all watch this. Can I tell you? Can we, can we talk? Uh, I don't like your response. Can we talk? Even when you're praying, you get distracted. You'll be praying, Father, and Jesus. And you start out, you know, real fiery, too. Come on, let's go. You start out, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for being my way maker and my door opener and my can opener and everything that I need to be opened. I thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I think I'm going to make macaroni and cheese tonight. Shoot, I forgot to lock the door. Hold on, I'll be back. (laughs) Don't leave me hanging like you've never done. We get distracted. Here's the deal. (laughs) Here's the deal. He's spinning. (laughs) Listen, there have been times, can I be honest? No, it's too much judgmentalism in the room. I rebuke your judgmental spirit. I do. There have been times I have been praying, and I like to pray in the, uh, with water. And so I especially like to pray in the shower. And so I like to pray in the shower. And there have been times I'm just going and praying. I mean, I'm praying. I'm in it, too. I'm in it, too. And all of a sudden, I'll stop. And about five minutes will go by. And I'll say, now, uh, Alexa, what was I praying? I don't even... <laughs> Anybody ever done that? No, please don't leave me hanging by myself. Say distractions. Which, so, so, so watch this. Focus is directed attention. And it's easy to lose focus on the right things, which are the God things, because we live in a distracted culture. Most of us have a 60-second attention span. So if you're not getting a new stimulus every 60 seconds, you're going to do. You're going to do. And so what have we done? We're raising our kids that way. Watch this. Take the tablet from them. take it from them because that's what they know they watching tour reviews you don't even (laughs) wow this looks fun to play with they don't even want to play with toys they want to watch other kids play with toys 
They don't want to go outside. They want to watch other kids go outside. <laughs> Take that tablet from them. They don't know what to do. Okay, y'all don't like that. Fine. Watch. Distraction. Not only do we live in a distracted culture, uh, uh, distraction, they say, is caused by one lack of ability to pay attention. What's ability? It means you never train yourself to pay attention to anything for a prolonged period of time. And if you never, watch this, train yourself to focus, it's dangerous. Because watch this, you will always jump from job to job, from place to place, from relationship to relationship, because you never train yourself to focus on anything. So watch this, anything that shines, you're like, ooh, look at that. And then, oh, ooh, look at that. And now you're looking at all this shiny stuff, not realizing, watch this, it's a fake. Second reason that we uh, get distracted is a lack of interest or the attractiveness of, of something else. So we lose interest in something, watch this, because we never learn how to invest in something. Ooh. So when you don't invest in something, it's easy to lose interest in something because you're not connected nor committed anyhow. So, so watch this. So watch this. Some people, you're trying to figure out what happened to that friendship. All you were was a ride to work. I need you to not think. That wasn't a friendship. You called it that. You called them friend. They never called you that. I'm going to preach hard since they ain't saying nothing to me. Watch. Watch this. It's a lack of interest or the attractiveness of something. And the danger with what we're attracted to, watch this, it depends on what we have a taste for. And our taste changes, watch this, predicated upon the time of life that we're in. So you got to be careful that you're not attracted to something. See, some of y'all, I'm going to go here since y'all ain't saying nothing to me. Some of you single ladies, watch this. You keep talking about you want a rough neck, you want a thug. You want some spontaneity. Okay. It's spontaneous. Mm-hmm. You don't know how that ring going to get paid. It's very spontaneous. What's it? Very spontaneous. It's very, yeah, they ain't saying nothing to me. <laughs> you should say something and then I won't preach hard. When you don't say nothing, I don't think we get the point. All right. Some of you single ladies, I want a king. Well, kings aren't boys, so you don't get to run him like you his mama. Tell the truth. You want a boy because you want to run him. So, so, now let me go. Let me come because I'm equal opportunity. Let me come in the men. Send them in. Yeah, I'm busy, but I just want her banging. Okay. If this shot's fired, you're going to have gun residue. In other words, make sure she's not doing that because she's addicted to attention. Because that means any man that pays her more attention than you now becomes the highest bidder. She she don't want a relationship. She's for sale. Slide to the right. Slide to the left. Everybody clap your hands. You got to have fun in church. Yes, we just did the cha-cha slide part of it in church. That's what I like the 15. Watch me. No, I like both. I like both. Well, I just got a little more time at the 15. Watch. Here's the next thing. Distractions can come from external sources or internal sources. You can be distracted by something that starts in you. Or you can be distracted by something from outside of you. So you can see something and be distracted. 
Okay? Or you can think something and be distracted. You can experience something and be distracted. Or you can feel some type of way and be distracted. Let me prove it to you. You ever came into your job on Monday morning? This, oh, I'm doing it today. This is the day the Lord has made. I'm getting everything done and I'm going to do some of her work. I'm going to be done. This is going to be an amazing day. And then you think about something. I just need a minute right now. I just, I'm going to lunch. It's 930. Taking an early lunch today. (laughs) Can I get a witness, y'all? Come on, you got to be real so you can heal. That's why I like to preach real because, listen, we live in a real world. We don't live in a, you know, you ain't walking around all day speaking in Hebrew and Greek. Listen, not only do we live in a distracted culture, watch me, 1115, that's where the warfare is. See, your warfare, I got into this in prayer last Monday, and it was so powerful to me. I, I wanted to, I added this, I moved my messages around because I wanted to, to deal with this. Um, is much of the warfare we face is about taking our focus. See, the issue isn't about trying to destroy your marriage. It's about taking your focus. It, it's, it's, it's not about, watch this, it's not about trying to mess up your money. It's about destro- destroying your focus. See, because whenever you're not focused, watch this, you can't be fruitful. Whenever you're not focused, you can't get into your future. So check this out. The warfare we face is designed to take our focus. So rather than, like the scripture says, to focus forward, I'm over here looking at this. I'm over here looking at that. I'm over here looking at that. So I'm not able to do what I need to do, but I just need you to declare this over yourself. Say, I'm focused. I'm focused. Say it like you mean to say, I'm focused, I'm focused on what God wants me to focus on. Mark 3, 27. No man can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man that he may indeed plunder his house. What is this verse saying? Is that even if you're strong, watch this, when you're unfocused, you're weak. Even if you are a prayer warrior, I mean, you can pray until the paint come off the walls. If you're unfocused, your prayer ain't going to get you nowhere. I need you to realize that one of the greatest spiritual weapons we have is focus. Would you just release that in the atmosphere? Shout the word focus. But the enemy says, if I can get you involved in some warfare over here. You'll lose your focus. And let me tell you what happens when you get focused. When you get focused, you look at things differently. When you get focused, you handle people differently. When you get focused, there's certain things that used to bother you, like that doesn't even bother me anymore. Why? That has nothing to do with where I'm headed. Watch me. There are certain things you don't even care to correct anymore because you're like, that has nothing to do with where I'm headed. So you know what? I don't have time for that. I'm not dealing with that. I'm not getting pulled into that. Would you say it again like you mean to say, I'm focused? Let me give you an example in scripture in Ezekiel chapter 20 of how important focus is. This is God and he's talking about the children of Israel, which the Bible says that are like the church in the wilderness. So when we read them, we're reading us. It says, on that day, I swore to them. God was like, I swear to you, I'm going to bring you out of the land of Egypt into a land I searched out for you. Look at me. God says, I think so much about you and I have such great plans for you. I search out what's best for you. I need everybody in here to hear me. God says, I've been searching out what's best for you, which is why I had to dismiss the rest because you're getting ready for the best. I need you not to be angry at who's been dismissed this year. I need you not to be angry at what's been dismissed this year. God says, I was searching out the best for you, so I had to dismiss the rest. And I need you to not even be mad about it because it wasn't where I needed you to be. 
a land flowing with what? Milk and honey. Milk means agriculture. Honey means sweet. Means it's going to be good. He says you're going to have an ability to have revenue and you're going to be happy. He says your life's going to be good and you're going to be happy. He said everything's not going to be perfect, but you're going to be happy. Everything's not going to be the way you want it to be, but you're going to have joy. What's joy? Joy is dependent upon God. It means regardless of what's going on, I still got joy. Is there anybody in here where we can take a five-second praise break where you can say, I've graduated from just being happy. I got I got joy, and this joy that I have, the world didn't give it, and the world can't take it away. Don't matter what's going on around me, I got joy. So God is ready to manifest the best for them. You better hear me. Whenever God is ready to manifest the best, let me tell you what's going to start. A lot of warfare one time. A lot of warfare one time is going to start because God is like, I'm getting ready to put something but watch this. If I can get you distracted, rather than being like this to receive, you're going to be over here doing this. That's why I got this saying, I ain't playing with nobody. I need my hands open so I can receive. Because God's about to put something. So look at the verse. It says, I searched out something for you. He says, on that day, I swore to them to bring them a land of Egypt and the land. I searched out for them a land flowing with milk and honey. He says, the most what? Glorious. Of what? God says, I got the best for you. Hear me, everybody. Don't settle. Don't settle because you're tired. I'm going to say it again. Don't settle because you're tired. You got to get your focus. Next verse. It says, and I said to them, cast away the detestable things. Here it is. That's your what? Eyes feast on. Say Focus. Every one of you, there's so much right there. He says, listen, cast away what you're focused on because it's detestable. What does detestable mean? Watch this. It has nothing to do with where I told you to focus. It has nothing to do with what's ahead of you. It has nothing to do with keeping me first. Say detestable. He says, cast it away. Every one of you. Stop. He says, I need you to not just do it for you. You have to make sure the people you are around, the people that are around you, you got to make sure that they're focused too. Because let me tell you something. Let me prove it to you. You ever been driving and you're focused and then somebody in the passenger seat or back seat starts doing something. And watch this. To figure out what they're doing, you have to break your focus to look at them. Too many of you have been crashing your car because you're looking at them. You've been swerving because you're looking at them. And you've wasted too much of your life swerving for other people. I need you to make this declaration and say, I'm focused, I'm focused, I'm focused. Matter of fact, would you check your row and just say our whole row is focused, please? Our whole row. If you can't focus with me, please get out of my way. Some of y'all need to release some people. You're holding on so tight and they don't want to focus. You need to say, I release you into your future because your future evidently ain't got nothing to do with my future because you ain't focused. It says, and do not defile yourselves with the idols of Egypt. I'm the Lord your God. He says, don't start doing crazy stuff because you're unfocused. Listen to me. Whatever you focus on, you feast on, and you make an idol of it. Whatever you focus on, you feast on. You make an idol of it. Say me like, nobody cares. That's because you're looking at the one person that didn't. You're focused on it, so now you feast on it, so now it's an idol. Nobody cares what I'm going through, except the 50 people that just said, you good? But you're focused on one loony tune.
I'm by myself, except all them people on your road that want to see you win. <laughs> Got it? What you focused on, you feast on. What does it mean to feast, eat good? And in about uh, well, a few minutes, I'm going to eat good. I am. I, I am. I am anxiously anticipating what God's about to do at my dinner table. Say feast. It's about to blow my mind. And it's going to be. Whoa. Verse. Whatever you focus on, you feast on, it becomes an idol. What is an idol? An idol is something that you set up to study and to worship. So check this out. The reason you feel that way is because you focused on it, you feasted on it, and it's an idol for you. You worship it. You worship feeling like a victim. You worship feeling like people don't care about you. You worship thinking everybody's setting you up. You worship thinking people trying to use you. It's quiet in the church. It's as quiet as 1150 has ever been. The idols of what? Egypt. Where is Egypt? Where they were from. Wait a minute. So God says, here's why this is a problem. You are not even focused on what's ahead of you. You are literally have your body this way, but your head that way. No wonder why you feel like you're, watch this, being torn apart. No wonder why you feel so emotional. Your body's facing a different direction than your focus. Your feet are facing a different direction than your focus. He says, watch this. You still thinking about who hurt you. You still mad about people who haven't thought about you in months. You're still angry about stuff that, watch this, that God is like, that's in Egypt. Can we just do this? And if this ain't for you, this is, this is cool. This is cool. But if this is, if this is for you, if you just realize right now, you've been focused on some of your Egypt, some of your stuff behind you. I just want you to take three seconds and release a crazy praise. Watch this. That Egypt, the door to that is being shut. Go. Three. Say bye-bye, Egypt. Say bye-bye-bye. Now look, look, <laughs> verse 9. Well, actually, let me finish 8 because eight's a doozy. Then the Lord says, I'm going to pour out my wrath upon them. When you see God talking about that, it's not like God is like, I'm going to get you, sucker. It's a good movie. Um, God is not like, I'm trying to get you. If God wanted you out of here, he doesn't have to consult with anybody. Like if God's like done with you, he can be like, you know, and he's going to be like, it's over. It's over. That's all she wrote. So I need you to get rid of this complex that makes you think God's against you. If he didn't want you here, he doesn't have to take a vote. So watch this. The fact that you're still breathing means he ain't done. Lord, I'm so glad you're not done with me. Say, Lord, I'm glad you're not done with me. So when it says he's going to pour out his wrath, what's wrath? Hot anger. So he's going to hot anger and regular anger. So it's a meat lovers and regular pepperoni, too. I mean, it's, like, it's the whole thing here. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like stuffed crust and regular crust. Like, it's a whole lot. Plus the meat lovers. On the thick crust, not that thin crust. Shut up. <laughs> 
I just decided what I want to eat. Come on, somebody. Or get... No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Somebody ought to call that order in right now. So in 45 minutes, it's ready. It's going to take them forever. Have fun in church. God says, I'm going to pour out my wrath upon them, and I'm going to spend my anger against them. That's deep. Spend my anger. Deep. Spend my anger. That's deep. Spend my anger against them. God was like, I'm going to spend that anger. She didn't want to make money moves. Go dance. Watch. She says, I'm going to spend my anger against them. In the midst of the land of Egypt. Gotta have fun at church. But watch God. Somebody say he's a good, good father. Watch this next verse. But I'm so glad that watch this, because we've all been been these children of Israel. (laughs) Touch your neighbor. Say, I'm so glad there's a but in this verse. You ought to give God glory for the butt in this verse. I like big, I, it's right here, and I, them other bishops tried it in that. Somebody say the butt is for my good. And this is a big one, y'all, because what did the Bible say God was about to do? Pour out his wrath and spin his out anger. But then he says, but. You should have died in that accident. You should have lost your mind when you went through that divorce. You should have failed for all of what you went through in your childhood. God says, but I acted for the sake of my name. That it should not be profaned in the sight of the nations in which they live. God says, I already knew they were talking about you. And I didn't want them to start talking about me. You see it in the verse? He says, in whose sight I made myself known to them and bringing them out of the land of Egypt. God says, all these people watched you come out. I don't need them to see you go back. All these people watched you get to victory. I don't need them to see you in a valley. I was listening to somebody talk one time. They had a very nice vehicle. They had a Rolls Royce. Nice vehicle. Right? Would you agree? I'd agree. I'd agree. Nice um, and they were talking about their vehicle. And they said that one time something went wrong with the vehicle. Now, you know, if you're spending, you know, three, four, five, six, seven hundred thousand dollars for a car, you don't have a luxury of anything going wrong. Like, it ought to be like demolition, man. Auto inflating tires. Self-driving. Self-cooking. You ought to make my dinner. Like, I get in the car, sit in the back, like, I'm eating. It makes pizza. With cheese. Um, he was talking, right. I know, right? Just, just, just a bread box in the back. Just, just bread, just constantly being baked fresh all day. Like you got Subway, I got my car, you know. You got Jimmy John's, my car makes my bread. I, he's bread, but I'm hungry. Come on here. <laughs> So watch, so watch. He was talking about his car, and he was saying uh, something went wrong. Car broke down, and 
when the car broke down, he said, I'll just, you know, I just say break down. Something went wrong with one of the systems. He said, I'll just, I'll just bring it. Or he said, or I'll just have it towed, I believe, if I'm, if I'm not messing the story up. He said, I'll have it towed. And they said, oh, no, 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 no. Don't do that. He said, well, why? I need it done. They said, we don't allow people to see our cars broke down. So we'll come pick it up. And watch this. We're going to cover what it's in. So that nobody knows it was broke down. Aren't you glad that God has been? He said, I'm not going to let them see you broke down. I'm not going to let them see you discouraged. I'm not going to let them see you depressed. Somebody say, he covered me. They didn't know how many tears you cried. They didn't know how close you were to giving up. They didn't know how. Say, thank you for covering me. Look. God, almighty. God says, I didn't let them drag you through the mud. I didn't let them know that you were dealing with that. I didn't let them know what was happening in you. God says, I kept you. That's what he said right here. That's what he said right here. God, we ought to give God. Watch this. Watch this. Not, not a shout, but can you just release a worship? Watch this. Stop. He could have fronted you. What does that mean? He could have put all your business right on display. Instead, he covered you. Can we just give him some worship for a moment that he covered us? Please, please, 1115, please, please, Father, we worship you that you covered us. We give you glory that you covered us. We thank you for covering us. And you worked on us. You fixed us to make us better so that when they see us, they're going to see us like we were never broke down in the first place. Not for our glory, but for yours. Somebody say, yes, Lord. Let me finish this message. Verse 10. So I led them out of the land of Egypt and brought them into the wilderness. God says, until you get focused, you have to go to the wilderness. What's the wilderness? Focus school. What does wilderness represent? 40. It's number 40 in the Bible. Um, it means wilderness testing. It means, watch this, test after test after test after test. When you go to the eye doctor, um, what do they do? Run tests to see what? Can you focus? And if your focus is off, they're going to say you've got one of three issues. You're nearsighted, farsighted, or you can't focus at all, so you have astigmatism. Either you're focused on what's too far, you're focused on what's too near, or you ain't focused at all. They will run you through tests to see how your focus needs to be. I need you not to curse your wilderness because it's getting your focus right. Y'all playing with me. Y'all playing with me, and I did not come to play with you, so that's not good. Listen, listen, your wilderness is designed. Here's why you prayed out of it and couldn't get out. God says you're not focused yet. And here's the trip. One area you can be in promise. Another area you can be in the wilderness. One area you can be on the mountaintop. The other area you can be in the valley. God's like, over here we ain't done. We're not done yet. Mm -mm, go back, run it again. Go back, run it again. Go back, run it again. Go, uh, uh. Oh, she got attitude? Run two more. 
Complainers don't have a situation problem. They have a focus problem. I rebuke you complaining because your complaints make you keep taking the test again. Would you throw one hand up and say, Lord, forgive me for complaining. See, when God sees that you got an attitude with the test, he'll send you back and say, do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Oh, he want to complain? All right, leave me there for a while. You done? You ready to come out? Because your rose coming out. You might as well come out with him. Watch. He says, I took them to the wilderness so they learned to focus. And here's what ended up happening. People had to die so they could focus. Things had to die so they could focus. Things had to change so they could focus. Now, watch this. Um, the question becomes, well, then what do we need to focus on? I looked throughout the Bible, and there was a few verses that spoke to focus. I'm going to give them to you real quickly. Psalm 119 and 6. He says, then I shall not be put to shame having my eyes fixed, focused on your commandments. So here's number one, focus on the word, not the warfare. This is the reason why we make an available podcast, YouTube, Facebook, all that. Why? So that you can focus on that word, not your warfare. It's going to be hard to get caught up in your warfare if you've got a word plan. It's going to be hard to get caught up in your warfare when, watch this, when you got the word going over and over and over again. Because the moment you feel like, oh, it's not working, you're going to hear a word that says you were sent to root and to reign and to conquer and to subdue. Here's number two, Psalm 119.15. I will meditate on your precepts. That's focused thinking or concentration. That's meditation. This, that's nice, but that doesn't mean you're meditating. Listen, anime bullock, that doesn't mean that you're meditating. It's a movie. Google it. Watch. That doesn't mean you're meditating. Meditating means focused thinking. Got it? He says, I will meditate. I will focus my thinking on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. Focus on your ways. So one, his word. But then watch this. I need to not just know his word. I need to know his ways. What does that mean? I know him for myself. And I know he didn't bring me this far. I know that he wouldn't abandon me. He's not done it yet. I know he wouldn't forsake me. See, whenever you know somebody, you know their ways. So there's certain things. Watch this. You can walk downstairs and look in the kitchen and know who did it. I wish I had some parents in here. There's certain things in your house. You're like, I know. You know what kid to call because you know who did it. You're like, I know your works. I know your ways. There, there's certain friends. Well, watch this. You know their ways. So when certain things happen, you're like, I already know. I already know. I already know. I already know. You know their ways. God says, listen, when you're in warfare, focus on my ways. You know I'm good. You know I'm perfect. This is God. God says, you know I'm reliable. You know I'm dependable. You know I'm faithful. You know you can count on me. You know you can depend on me. You know I'm not throwing you in the towel. And God says, listen, you know my ways. So here's the third thing. Third thing is, watch this, focus on the way maker, not the warfare. Deuteronomy 6.5. See, why am I focusing on him as a way maker? It's because a lot of the warfare is going to look like there's no way out. And all the options out are going to look bleak. They're going to, they're going to look like, that's jumping off of a bridge. That's jumping off of a higher bridge. That's jumping out of an airplane. <laughs> that's jumping out of a spaceship. I, all of these look pretty not doable. But if you know he's a way maker, he'll drop the plane low. <laughs> Y'all ain't hear me. If you know he's a way maker, watch this. He'll open a door and watch this. And then so that you don't have to jump at all. When you know he's a way maker, watch this. He'll become the pilot in the plane. You ain't got to worry about where the plane's going to land. Would you just say, I know him to be a way maker. 
right? In Deuteronomy 6 and 5, it goes on. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. Be on your mind. That's what heart means in Scripture. Leb in Old Testament, Hakkari in New Testament. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Stop. Here's what he said. Listen to me, families. God says some of the war you lose is because you're not teaching your kids how to fight. So you're wasting your warfare because now your kids are punks. Let me, tra- let me translate. Don't get offended. Don't get offended. I, I, I can't, I, that's not what I said. Don't start with me. I ain't playing with you. What do you mean? What's a punk? Somebody that runs from a fight. God says, teach your kids how to fight. Maybe it's a bishop, I don't have kids, but you got cousins, you got nieces, you got nephews. You got to teach them how to pray. You got to teach them how to fight. You got to teach them how to work. You got to teach them how to stand flat-footed and declare this is what the word of the Lord is. He says, listen, guys, I don't just need you to be strong. Teach your kids to be strong. So that when you're dealing with something, your kids can walk in on you. Come here. You got strong kids. You got warriors. You got I need every parent to release a praise for your children. Why? Because your children are strong. Your children are mighty. And for every parent that's worried about them, you taught them right. They're going to get it together. For every parent that's concerned, you taught them right. They're going to get it together. Train up a child in the way they should go. And when they go old, they will not depart from it. Somebody shout, God got them. Let me finish this message, please. He says, and so talk with them and sit in your house and walk by the way. When you lay down, when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. In other words, he says, listen, anything you hold in your hand had a word there. Because you need to be reminded I'm a way maker. Check this out. This next part. He says, and they shall be frontless between your eyes. He says, listen, use this. As, can I help you here? Who's got glasses over here? Who's got glasses? Uh, uh, c- come here. Come here. Come on, glasses. Actually, two glasses wears. Come on, two glasses. Two. Well, actually, you know what? Have him put them on. This is going to be good. Come on. Come on, put them Coke bottles on. Come on now. I'll just give you a hard time. Come on, come on. Come on, you too, sir. Come on, you too. <laughs> you can see my future, can't you? <laughs> Tell me what I'm doing tomorrow. <laughs> I'm just joking. So I wear glasses too, full disclosure. I just wear the soft ones. The softer side of Sears. Watch. <laughs> Is that hot cross buns? Oh, three buns. Oh. Watch me. Say frontlets. God says, listen, whenever we have issues with our focus, nearsighted, farsighted, astigmatism, what will they prescribe for us? glasses and or contacts to do what correct our focus put the verse up please watch out watch out see the verse right here oh you can't see okay move move pull up pull over there pull over there pull up right there touch your neighbor say thank god for focus (laughs) they shall be as frontlets please look at me there'll be glasses for you you missed it. See how, watch this, see how distractions work? I'm trying to finish and y'all taking out my preaching time. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. You ready? Watch. Say glasses. He, he says, y'all remember them, them little glasses? The original, the little ones? Put them on, you know, they real small. That's what this is referring to. He says, put the word to correct your focus. Watch it. So don't just focus on the word. 
He says, put the word in front of you. So every time you're discouraged, it checks you and corrects you. It's a frontlet on your eye, which means don't see it how you see it. See it how I see it. So when you see a big enemy, just remind yourself, I'm the God of David and Goliath. When you see an impossible situation, just remind yourself that I'm the way maker. Somebody say, he's my way maker. Say it again. He's my way maker. And you need everybody with you. Y'all come up here. You need everybody with you to make sure they focus on the same way maker. I need you to realize it's time for your circle to upgrade so that you got everybody that can see. Okay, you can get, you can get back to you can get back. <laughs> Here's the last one. <laughs> Second, <laughs> Second Chronicles 20 and 12. This is about King Jehoshaphat. Now, listen, y'all, here's why that's so important is because when when you're seeing through something, it changes the way you see something. See, if you're seeing through hurt, that's all you're going to see. I says, even for some of you who, who have issues with leaders, can I tell you, that's only because you're looking through the wrong lens. If you looked at it from the lens they sit in, you'd be like, God, let me do everything I can to make this easy for them because Jesus Christ. Watch me. King Jehoshaphat, he's getting ready to go to war. Guys, we're about to close it. We're going all the way to 10 in about 17 seconds. Will you not execute judgment on them? So Jehoshaphat has got three enemies coming against him. The first are the Ammonites. Say Ammonites. Ammonites means people problems. The second group of people coming against him are the Moabites. Say Moabites. Moabites mean family problems or problems with people close to you. Um, it refers to generational stuff. And then the third issue with the people from Mount Seir. Say Mount Seir. That's the mountain they walked around for 40 years. That means the past is messing with the present. Check it out. Something from the past is messing with the present, plus they got people issues, plus they got people issues with those that are close to them, which means they don't have a safe place to run from the other people issues because the people that they would run to are now an issue too. The people they would go to get prayer uh, with and from are now creating the problems they need prayer for. Got it? And Jehoshaphat's got all these three armies coming against him. So check it out. He, he, he's got over here, he's got Mount Seir. Okay? In front of him, he's got Moabites. Over here, he's got Ammonites. People problems, people close to him problems, and he's got issues with his past, messing with his present. Which means everywhere he looks, he sees nothing but problems. And here's the one thing God didn't permit him to do was to go back. So what do you do when you can't go forward? You can't go to the left. You can't go to the right. And you're not permitted to go back. There's some of you better hear me. Your past won't even have you anymore. And you need to be thankful that it won't have you anymore. Watch. He says, God, won't you execute judgment on him? He's like, God, God, just kill him. Seems reasonable. Won't he do it? You know? He says, we're powerless against this great horde of people. They're coming against us. We don't know what to do, Lord. We have no clue. But watch this last part. Can we say it like a big army and we out of here? About two seconds. We're going. Y'all ready? But our eyes are on you. We're focused on you. What does that mean to be focused on the Lord? 
That means whatever instructions I get, that's what I do. So if you keep reading in this chapter, you can read it for yourself. If you keep reading in this chapter, you'll discover that the instruction was to send out some praise. Matter of fact, if they'll stick it on the screen for us real quickly, in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse number 21, we're going to look at a few verses. Can I just show it to you real quick so you can see what we're about to do? And when they had taken what? Counsel. What does that mean? The Lord said, you focused on me, right? Now let me tell you what to do. I need you to learn how to focus on me in the midst of war. Because I need to give you instructions. Think about it. Any military folks in the room? Military folks? Thank you for your service. Watch this. In the military, you can't just get the first order and go act on that because you may get a subsequent order. See, the first order may say, go fire over here. Next order may say, mm, back up. Look too much going on over there. Come over here. When you're in warfare, you need fresh instructions. Look at the verse. When they had taken counsel with the people, what does that mean? They got instructions and they told the people what to do. He appointed those, watch this, who could sing. Stop! Sir, they're trying to kill us. And you want to have song time? They are trying to take us out and you want to sing? They are trying to knock us down and you want to praise? Doesn't that sound ridiculous? No, no, you don't have to give me a church answer. Give me a regular human answer. Yes! That sounds ridiculous as a human being. So let's get this straight. They got knives and stuff. And we talking about the blood still works. I, I'm just trying to figure out. I know. They're, they're threatening this, that, and the other. And you talking about give me glory. This makes no but it makes faith. And faith don't always need to make sense. For we walk by, not by. And I'm getting you ready to close. Watch it through here. He says, they appointed. Here's God's instructions. Put some singers in the front. Make them look good. Don't put them up there any kind of way. And they went before the army. Let me do this. Let me have harvest worship. Come on. All right, give me, uh, give me, give me, um, give me, come, 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 get him right there. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come here. Uh-huh, I seen you. Let's go. Let's go. Would you come, son? Would you come? Would you come? Come on, uh, uh, come on, son. Come on. All right, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on. Come on. All right, all the big dudes, get behind them. All the big dudes, get behind So y'all, y'all come up. Y'all come up front. Singers, come up front. Come on. All right? You ain't on stage. Get ready to go on stage. It's a movie. So all the big dudes at the army, hey, just for the sake of this, you go back there with the big dudes. All right? Okay. All right, good. All right. So y'all with me? So God says, you got a bunch of enemies coming against you. You got a bunch of warfare. Wouldn't it make sense to put the big dudes in front? I mean, if they ain't going to fight, they can at least take the shot. I'm just saying. Makes sense to me. God says, but the weapons, come on church, of all warfare are not natural. So the Bible says these singers started giving God glory. Y'all give God glory. And when the singers started giving God glory, put the verse up please. Somebody said they gave God glory. 
y'all clap to the music, clap to the music. The Bible says when they started singing and praising, y'all let out a shout, singers. When they started doing that, look at the verse. The Bible says the Lord set an ambush. Shut your mouth. I mean that as a figure of speech, not literally. The Lord sent an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. In other words, somebody say they used their weapon. I don't know who this is for, but I think there's somebody in here. You need God to send some weapons against your enemy this week. And we got a weapon called praise. And we're about to use it to get this week in order. On the count of three, I need everybody in this place to let out a crazy, ridiculous praise. Go! One, two, three. Come on, 11-15, let out a praise. Come on, let out a shout. God said, when they were doing this, when they started clapping, God says, I'm going to start fighting for you. When they started moving their feet, God said, I'm going to fight for you. When they started dancing, God said, I'm going to fight for you. When they started shouting, God says, I'm going to fight for you. Look at me. Had they not focused, they would have missed the instruction. So watch what they would have done. Big dudes come to the front. Singers go to the back. This made natural sense. But this, wouldn't, this didn't make spiritual sense. So God says, if you would have put them first, you would have lost the battle. Because they were ready to use natural weapons. But you were in a spiritual fight. So here's how we're going to close out this experience. This ain't for everybody, but it's for somebody in here. Well, watch this. We're going to release something in this atmosphere that's going to get Monday in order, Tuesday in order, Wednesday in order, Thursday in order, Friday. So by the time you come back to Sunday, you're going to have nothing but seven days of victory to report. Can I get everybody to stand to your feet with me? Thank you, everybody. Can I get everybody to stand to your feet with me, please? We're done. Thank you, everybody. Can I get you to stand on your feet? And I just need you to look at somebody next to you and say, if you're praising with me, say, we'll both have the victory. Say, and I want to see you win this week. Are y'all ready, 1115? I said, are you ready, 1115? Can we focus on how good he is? How awesome he is? I'm going to give you 30 seconds to go for what you know. Let's go. One, two, three. Come on. Get Just the voices. I know it don't make sense, but it's a weapon. I know it doesn't make sense, but it's a weapon. Well, I pray that today's life-giving message has spoken life into your life. I'm Bishop Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church, and at this time, I want to extend an opportunity to you to give your life to Jesus Christ. You know, 2,000 years ago, God stepped in a body. That body was called Jesus. That body got on a cross and died for our sins. Now, sins are things that we do that don't please God, and they ultimately don't please God because they ultimately are very harmful and dangerous to us. 
Not only did he die for our sins, he died so we could have life and life more abundantly. Here's what that means. That not only do we experience God's best, but that we can speak life into other people and use our lives to change the lives of other people. And today, if you need to become a Christian for the... Hey, Cricket customers, Max with ads is included with your Cricket $60 unlimited plan at no additional cost. Max is the streaming platform where you can watch Scoob, Meg 2 The Trench, The Nightmare on Elm Street Collection, and so much more. Remember me. Just log in with your Cricket username and password to experience Max on all your favorite devices. We've never seen this before. Max, the one to watch for a good scream with Cricket. Phone plan, streams, and standard definition. Programming subject to change. Fees, terms, and restrictions apply. See cricketwireless.com for details. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.